0: Welcome to the Hydric & Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for
1: joining the conversation. Hi, I'm Guy Shaw, a partner in Hydric and Struggle's London office and the leader of our Web3 and Digital Assets practice in EMEA. I'm also joined by my colleague Sarah Sliver from our New York office, who's a member of the Risk and Controls and Financial Services practice. In today's podcast, we're really excited to speak to Marcus Hughes, former Chief Risk Officer at BitMEX. Uh, if you don't know who they are, one of the world's leading cryptocurrency derivatives exchanges Prior to BitMEX, he was the managing director of Europe and the general counsel internationally at Coinbase, where he played a leading role in building and running Coinbase's ex-U.S. operations. He spent a decade at Morgan Stanley, where he was an executive director in the legal and compliance division. And as part of that role, he focused on electronic trading across equities and fixed income. Worth pointing out that all of the views Marcus shares today are his alone, not associated with any other entity. So, Marcus, hopefully that gives you the freedom to talk as controversially as possible. Uh, But welcome and thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today.
0: Thank you both for having me.
1: Well, to kick this off, walk us through your journey into crypto and digital assets and uh, would love to hear what drew you to the space.
0: Yeah, so I joined uh, Coinbase back in 2018, um, slightly by chance. I'd be lying if I said I was, you know, looking for a career in crypto, but I was certainly interested in the space and I had a conviction that blockchain um, digital assets was going to go somewhere. And so kind of chance introduction led to, you know, a period of time now working in the crypto industry. And what, what drew me to the industry was the Both the intellectual challenge, how do you scale something which is uh, underpinned by cutting edge technology, but brings with it, of course, regulatory issues, um, issues of how do you integrate it within the traditional financial system, uh, questions around um, what should the treatment of certain assets be, and also the dynamism of of, of scaling a business, which is very fast moving and growing at an incredible pace. And so it was a very intriguing kind of combination of things that pulled me in.
1: I can imagine, and um, people often enter the space just given how formative it is, and certainly was back when you first joined Coinbase with um, a set of expectations. But clearly, a lot has uh, has happened in that period. To to what extent have those expectations met the reality, and what has particularly surprised you?
0: So, I think it's hard to know exactly what to expect when you're when you're uh, entering a nascent industry. I think. Coming from a traditional financial services background, you are used to a little bit of structure, a bit of process. The regulatory frameworks are very well built out, Um, the machines uh, are kind of well oiled. Coming into the crypto sector, there's a lot that needs to be built. And what I thought would be the case is very much held true, which is that there's a lot of building needing to be done, both scaling businesses, engagement with governments and regulators to set out what does this industry look like going forward. And the actual rolling out of products and services across the world to customers who want to interact with the ecosystem. And so I I would say that that was something that I was expecting. I think the sheer pace of change is is one thing that has has really struck me. I don't think anything prepares you for how fast things move in this sector, Um, whereas arguably in your traditional uh, financial world securities, whether that's equities or fixed income or other areas, the pace of change is somewhat slower, simply because they're more mature industries. And I think as we've seen, particularly over the last 12 months, things can, can can change for better or for worse incredibly rapidly. I think because it's an emerging sector, the other areas that, that asset prices are often the focus of attention. What's happening to Bitcoin? What's happening to Ether? And those can move and, and demonstrate significant volatility over very short periods of time. Again, something that perhaps might be a little unusual if you're coming from a more traditional background. So those things are the ones that come to mind when I think about what how were my expectations met or otherwise.
1: So you, you weren't or you were expecting so much token price volatility when you, uh, when you first jumped in?
0: I was expecting volatility. I suppose what surprised me is the volatility over such short time periods. Within the scope yeah. of a day, you can have massive, massive jumps or falls in prices. I think the other thing is the extent to which Bitcoin is such an important asset within the ecosystem. And, and if Bitcoin's rising, other assets tend to rise too. And and that's the case, arguably, still today. Um, the ecosystem is still not fully mature, and so the influence of of of, of certain assets is is greater than others. And I think that's a virtue of the fact that this is still you know, relatively early days. And people often forget that crypto is still a relatively young industry. There's still a lot of um, building to do.
2: Sarah Sliva here, and famously, as as you mentioned, um, the sector is very fast moving, so it's attracted executives with diverse outlooks and philosophical beliefs and has recently suffered some damaging setbacks. So in your view, where have certain parts of the industry gone wrong and what effect has that had on the sector's executives?
0: So I think um, in some areas, there's been a a tendency to think that this is a technological innovation and, and therefore you're scaling tech businesses exclusively. Whereas the reality is that this was always going to be regulated financial services, whether that's what some in the ecosystem would like or not. And so there's a tendency just to think, well, push products out into the marketplace, behave in a way that might be uh, acceptable outside of the regulated space, but certainly isn't when you're looking at a regulatory ecosystem that's still emerging, but will certainly grow to be something equivalent to what we have today in other areas, such as e-money, payment services, securities, and so on. I think we should also remember that kind of bad practices, fraud, whatever it might be, are fundamentally wrong in any industry. And it doesn't matter whether that's the crypto industry or, or, or other industries. Um, you know, fundamentally, you should always treat customers, customer funds, with care and, ha- and hold them in a secure way, uh, and, and so on. And unfortunately, what you f- tend to find is that bad practices and bad behaviour tarnish the industry more broadly, whether in fact you, you, you may have uh, stakeholders in the ecosystem who are behaving very responsibly. So I think that that is part of the perception problem. Um, we have to ex- we have to accept that. I think um, more broadly, not everyone coming into the industry necessarily is prepared for the scale of what needs to be done. Um, I think it's very easy coming from traditional financial services, from investment banks and and so on, where you're used to having a lot of the, the basic frameworks are already built out and it's incremental changes, not fundamentally building something from scratch. And that can be a huge challenge. And particularly where you find regulators are not that familiar and a lot of it a lot of the effort here requires a bit of a teach in for regulators helping them to understand, advocating for responsible regulation. I think most of those in the in, in the crypto space are, are more than happy to to advocate for responsible regulation. Regulation that's balanced, it balances the risks with the the ability to encourage innovation and so on. So as with anything, it's a kind of delicate balancing act. And and unfortunately you have these unfortunate incidents that have occurred in the industry that 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 have had a bit of a kind of contagion effect across the whole industry, which has been negative. And
2: given your extensive experience in establishing and maintaining regulatory relationships across the world and working closely with regulators at different companies as well, how do you assess the governance and management of this space?
0: So I think um, what regulators are looking for is firstly a deep understanding of the underlying technology of the assets themselves of how things like hot and cold storage work now, the framework of the ecosystem is not necessarily easy to pick up and so i think it's the job of stakeholders in the industry to engage constructively with regulators to help them to understand it and i think that builds trust i think the other aspect is the the extent to which it's not clear how the treatment of certain assets sh- should be managed it's something that has to evolve over time and there's a tendency just to look at existing rules and say, well, why don't we just kind of tweak them slightly and that will work fine for crypto assets. But you have unique problems in crypto, such as how do you custody assets? It's very different from looking at equities or FX. And in that instance, you know, regulators are looking for a constructive dialogue, but also responsible proposals. I think where they're very wary is where they see what they view as irresponsible behavior. Not segregating customer assets from corporate inventory would be be a great example. Not doing proper AML, uh, KYC checks on customers. Um, A lot of the time regulators come from a place where they've got very clear expectations of the issues and risks that they expect to see mitigated. And so I think it's important to go into any dialogue with a sensitivity to those concerns because they'll always be at the forefront of regulators' minds. I think the other aspect is that in many ways this this is not a case that we need to solve for every problem overnight and i think if you look at what's happened in countries like germany and singapore they've built out frameworks already um that don't aim to solve for every issue they're iterative processes they'll have a first layer of regulation and they'll they'll revisit certain issues they'll look at how they can also um layer in other 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 requirements on top and i think that will be where we land in many countries across the world. Obviously, we have MECA coming in 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 Europe, which will be a Europe-wide regulatory framework. But in the US right now, there's a great degree of uncertainty as to where regulation is going to land. And so I think it's just a degree of uh, engagement and also a bit of patience that a lot of these issues are not going to be solved overnight.
2: And what would you say are the leadership and talent implications to build out these governance frameworks going forward?
0: So I think from a governance perspective, regulators, as they do in other areas, are looking for proper mind and management of regulated entities. They want to see executives with a full understanding of what's going on in the business that are on top of all of the key issues that they'd expect to be, be on top of. That there's a team in place on the ground that is able to effectively discharge its, its regulatory obligations. And I think, as you've seen from certain instances, the the lack of management of control of what you might see as pretty fundamental parts of the business is something that raises huge alarm bells. And if you look again at at what the requirements are in the payment services area or in the securities for for a broker-dealer, for example, you can extrapolate across from that fundamentally where the concerns of regulators are going to lie. And it's not always been the case that the crypto businesses, which in many cases have operated offshore or have operated in areas where there hasn't been yet a regulatory framework... Um, they haven't always met the kind of standards that regulators would expect from a governance or controls perspective.
2: And with these shakeups in the space, how have you seen engagement and interest from regulators changing over the past year? Have you noticed a change in their focus on leadership and management?
0: Yeah, I think I think regulators have certainly doubled down on their expectations for proper uh, governance and leadership from people who are suitably qualified, who understand how to run a regulated business, Um, who can demonstrate that they've got the capabilities and the competencies. And many regulators operate approved persons regimes um, around the world where executives have to go through a vetting process and demonstrate that they have sufficient experience and competence, that their time allocation is sufficient in relation to the regulated entity. Um, I think regulators are also adopting a much more assertive posture in many countries around the world, um, that they're looking at potential enforcement action where they see bad practices I think the regulatory environment in the U.S., for example, right now is, is is quite interesting. You've seen a lot of the U.S. regulators become a lot more assertive in their actions, um, in their investigations. We'll see where those land. But there certainly has it, been a marked step up in those kind of uh, approaches. And I don't think that's exclusive to the U.S. I think regulators in a number of key countries are assessing whether they've been rigorous enough and are certainly asking more probing questions now. I think, of course, that coincides with the introduction of regulatory regimes in many countries which didn't historically exist. And you often heard complaints from regulators that they didn't have adequate powers to supervise crypto digital asset businesses You know, a few years ago. That obviously is changing, but it doesn't happen overnight. And so I think you've got that kind of convergence of regulations starting to emerge and regulators feeling that they need to be more assertive um, in their oversight of businesses that, that fall within their
1: remit or that should fall within their remit, arguably. And so I mean this is a this is a big question, Marcus, but we're going to ask it anyway. Um, what do you think the industry needs to do to put the recent controversy behind it and and start moving for the future?
0: So my take on it would be that that the crypto industry needs to demonstrate that there is utility value for crypto and for underlying blockchain technology. I think that's really important. Um, there's a perception that crypto, in some quarters, that crypto is purely a speculative asset. And I think there are a number of very interesting utility phase use cases for crypto that perhaps aren't receiving a huge amount of attention. So I think it, it as a, as a sector, it's important to demonstrate what, what is the utility of crypto? How does this make financial services better, more efficient, safer? And there's a strong case to make in a number of areas there. And I think that that case needs to be made. I think just looking exclusively at things like um, you know, trading Bitcoin, um, betting on the back value of Bitcoin going up it, it is not going to be sufficient to convince the, the, the naysayers. I think the other aspect is the degree to which the industry needs to become more professional. Um, there are certain areas of the industry where, as I mentioned before, you know, regulated financial services is a bit of an alien concept. And you have people that are very steeped in, in technology and are expert at the underlying technological structures that facilitate crypto, but perhaps don't appreciate where the sensitivities lie when it comes to rolling this out, particularly to retail customers who are deemed to need, need greater protection. They need to be protected from scams. They need to be, make sure that their assets are safe. They need to understand that crypto assets are volatile. And I think that the kind of professionalization, if I can put it that way, of the industry is going to be really, really key. I think there's also pressure now on some, on some of the smaller businesses operating in the sector where you see pressure on um, trading fees. You see the ability to diversify revenue being a challenge as well. So it's a really interesting phase where I think we'll come out the other side with with businesses that have kind of really built um, structures that will stand them in good stead for the long term. And others that really struggle to keep pace with the ongoing cost of compliance with, with new regulation with the ongoing requirement to engage constructively with regulators in a
1: way that perhaps they haven't done in the past how do you think the industry does demonstrate the utility of the technology and who do you think they need to demonstrate that to first
0: so i think i, I think looking at the, the the sector more broadly i think it needs to demonstrate to to, to everybody right the general public you know other businesses Governments, regulators, I mean, the future of the, the industry really is, is is based upon the conviction that people have that this is something that can make their lives better. And there are a lot of interesting use cases. I mean, w- One example that often comes up in, in this context is something like remittances, whether facilitated by stable coins or facilitated by other types of, of crypto assets. It's very easy to grasp the concept that remittances are not very cost effective today. If you're sending money to your family that live on the other side of the world and it takes three days and you have to pay 6% in fees... That's not a great outcome. Um, The other area in in developing countries particularly is the fact that many people don't have access to financial services at all. And yet, if they've got a smartphone with an app on it, potentially using crypto, they can, for the first time, have access to something that resembles a bank account or a savings account, that they can transfer money with, that they could perhaps start their own business with. And so there's some of these use cases that often, I think, get drowned out by the noise um, in the industry that I think will help people grasp what the opportunity is. And I think often it's the case that these things te- don't tend to get the the focus that perhaps they do. But for, to my mind, it's like with any innovative technology, you look at the internet when it first was first introduced, there was a lot of skepticism as to why people might need to send emails. What What is the utility value of the internet? There was huge amounts of skepticism. And it took some time for people to address the value, to realize the value, to build products and services that people value today. I think it's similar in a similar way the crypto industry needs to do that. It needs to demonstrate why it's a game changing revolutionary you know technological innovation that will make people's lives better
1: it's an analogy you 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 do here in internet crypto digital assets web three do do you think the potential is as big to be as game changing for individuals and institutions in due course
0: look I think the potential is huge, and I think what the industry needs to demonstrate is that it can make things faster better cheaper more efficient more effective um those are the key criteria that the industry will be judged on. Um, and the reality, of course, that people don't necessarily see day to day what the value is to them. They might they might have dabbled. They might have bought some crypto assets. They may have engaged in, in staking services on certain platforms. They may have kind of dipped their toe in the water. The question is, how do we convince those people to engage across multiple levels, across multiple products with, with the industry? And that's not going to happen overnight. But I think providing the regulatory frameworks, providing the kind of communication, as to what is the value here is going to be key. And I'm not sure the industry has always been um, that great at doing it historically.
1: Um, So with all of that in mind, what advice would you give to others that are thinking about coming into the space?
0: So my advice would be, um, don't expect everything to be neatly structured, to have perfect processes in place, it's definitely a huge challenge. Uh, intellectually, it's incredibly fulfilling working in the crypto space because it's still su- such an early uh, stage of evolution. I think a lot of the time, um, people need to be comfortable with with the unknown as well. There aren't always clear answers to every single question. And part of it is building the future, creating value and so on. And it's not necessarily for people who like to stay within their box where they're comfortable doing a very specific role. I think it's very much a case that you have to be comfortable branching out and taking on challenges that may not be necessarily within your wheelhouse. But I think what we're in right now is a very, very interesting phase of, of, of evolution. That There are undoubtedly challenges for the industry, but equally, I think it's during this period where the market is down, your assets are, are priced lower than they were, the skepticism is there, that the opportunities also lie to kind of determine what does this industry look like in the next five to 10 years. And I think people coming in with skill sets from other industries or other parts of financial services will be absolutely invaluable as we build that kind of structure and we build out um, a framework that works and provides security and, and
1: confidence to people uh, more broadly. And just, just building on that theme in terms of executives coming in from different industries, what skill sets do you think are going to be really important in leaders in this space for organisations to meet their strategic goals in the coming months ahead
0: yeah i mean it, it, it's going to sound like a bit of a cliche but I, I think the ability to collaborate effectively across teams is probably the most valuable skill you can have intellectual curiosity goes without saying because you don't come into this kind of nascent space without having that but the ability to build relationships across all parts of a business and that will often be with very very technical teams with product teams where you'll have people that don't have that familiarity with how a regulated business or a regulated industry works And you need to bring those people along for the journey, show that you're pragmatic, show that you have the commerciality to address some of the challenges that lie ahead, but equally be able to kind of upskill the organization to operate within this new framework. Um, But I think more than anything, you've you've got to have that energy and that hunger to build something. Um, And it's not for everybody. It's not easy by any means. As I say, there's, there's a lot less clarity in certain areas, but part of the enjoyment, I think, of working in an industry that's still evolving is that you can help shape that future. You can have a really impressive impact as, you, as, you, as the industry moves forward and as, as regulation grows, as businesses grow, and as the industry matures. I think that, for me, is at the heart of what's so attractive about the industry.
1: No, it makes perfect sense to me. And great um, pearls of wisdom to finish on there, Marcus. Thank you very much for, um, for taking the time to speak to us today. It's a
0: pleasure thanks for listening to the hydrogen struggles leadership podcast to make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app and if you're listening via linkedin twitter or youtube why not share this with your connections until next
2: time